Welcome to the Exchange for the Exchange podcast, where we exchange ideas about current events, pop culture, and theology. And we are on air, boys. Okay. You are live. For the record, Josh Pinnell is laughing. Nikolai Carpathia. (laughs) So gentle. Wow. I don't even know what Alex is going to say at this point. Welcome to the Exchange podcast. My name is Alex Turkmani. I'm joined, as always... And for the first time, <laughs> by Josh Pinnell and the one and only Daniel Lopez. How you guys doing? Really good. Just living the dream, man. Living the dream. <laughs> living the dream in Louisville. Yeah, living, living the dream, drinking some black coffee right now. Freshly ground, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. It, it, it is not fr- freshly ground, unfortunately. No, I stopped. I stopped freshly grinding my coffee hmm. uh, once I had a kid. It just became wow. too much. Yeah, uh, you see, I used to be freshly grind, pour over, all that stuff, and then wow. just too much time. Too much time. Like, too much. This is the stuff that should be in parenting books, like what to expect and you're expecting. Like that should be in there. Dude, all, all, your time, all your time goes to the kid and all your money goes to diapers. And so you don't have time or money for a good coffee anymore. It's There's a- so much truth. There's so much truth to that. There's so much. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, before we get started, though, since this is our first episode, um, I wanted to do some introductions. So um, let's start with Daniel. Daniel, I want you to tell us one thing. About the, one of your favorite things to do with your free time, and tell us what your favorite movie is. Wow. I think the main thing I do with my free time is listen to music. I really enjoy music. I like playing the guitar. There's nothing specific about music that I enjoy. Just, you know, listening, playing, researching about it. My favorite movie, that's really tough. Probably The Life Aquatic by Wes Anderson. Oh. Um, but that is open to change. There's, that's just a really hard question, but I'll have to go with that for now. I haven't seen that movie. I need to watch it. I, th- I think the characters in it are really good. Is it on Netflix? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. But his movie Moonrise Kingdom is, and it's that like also, the same film. That also good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I think. Cool. Uh, Josh, what about you? Same question. Uh, yeah, what I do with my free time and my favorite movie. Uh, in my free time, uh, <laughs> I enjoy reading a lot. Um, I enjoy playing board games. My wife and I play board games almost every night. Um. We like we like uh, TV shows and movies. We're watching The Crown on Netflix right now. It's really good. Um, <clears throat> my favorite movie, I think I, this has been my favorite movie for a long time, and I think it I think it remains. My, I think my favorite movie is Slumdog Millionaire. Oh yeah! Ooh, wow! I think it's my favorite movie. Yep. Wow! I don't even know what Alex is gonna say at this point. Dude, that's a hard question. Um, okay. He's going to come in with Braveheart. Just watch. 
<laughs> the Patriot. Well, I've, I've seen, man. I mean, that was my favorite movie uh, for a long time. It's still one of my favorites, but it's, it's probably not. It's probably no longer my favorite movie. Um. Well, what I like to do with my free time is I like to read. I like to spend time with my kids and my wife, and we also like to watch uh, Netflix shows. My favorite movie. Oh, I like to play board games. Um, I really like to play Magic the Gathering. My favorite movie is probably A Beautiful Mind. Wow. It's a good one. Wow. Um, Quality. Yeah. But I also dig Braveheart. (laughs) (laughs) Saving Private Ryan is a great movie, actually. Um. But yeah, that's and then the Lord of the Rings. Anyway, um, okay, let's get to the topics. Um, first topic up to discuss: Mike Pence and the whole Hamilton debacle. Um, Daniel, why don't you just give us a rundown? What actually happened? What happened with Mike Pence? Uh, so Mike Pence went to see the show with his daughter. So it was him, you know, Secret Service, because he's a high-profile guy now. So government has to protect them his daughter so it's probably about six or seven people in total and they're watching the show and i think it was either at it was either at the end or the beginning of the show so it wasn't interrupted but they point out that mike pence had come to see the show and so a lot of people in the crowd started booing at him you know and so he gets up and his whole crew is leaving the theater and the the crew on stage, the actors, uh, the leading actor, not Lin-Manuel, but the other guy was like, oh, wait, 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 you know, don't go, Mr. Pence. You know, we wanted to, like, please stop booing. We just wanted to express some of our concerns to you now that we have a chance to talk to you directly. You know, and they told him about, you know, racial inequality and um, sexual inequality and so on and so forth in front of everybody. Uh, Mr. Pence stopped while he was walking out, he stopped walking out, turned around and listened. And when he was done, you know, saying his thing, the whole crowd was cheering. But then the video cuts off. So I don't know at what point Mr. Pence left. But that was what the video... There was a couple of videos. That's what happened in them. Okay. So that was after the show? I think it was after the show. But honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. I know it wasn't during the show. Okay, yeah, that's a lot to um, it's a lot to work through. Uh, Josh, what's your initial reaction to that occurrence? Yeah, I think I think it's important. I think free speech is important. I think that in a way, it's frustrating that they felt the need to put interpretation on art. I feel like it kind of cheapens the play as a whole. Okay, what do you mean by that? Put put an interpretation on art. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's like, so now we're going to, we're not going to let this sit and uh, you think about how this applies to your life. What we're going to do is call out Mike Pence uh, and everyone in the room is going to call him out and no one's going to leave changed because they're all going to be thinking about Mike Pence the whole time. So the whole cheapening the art, what you mean by that is you wish that they would have just let their performance implicitly work. Instead, they chose to explicitly say what they wanted, how they wanted Mike to respond to this, and they didn't let the art 
implicitly unpack it for. for right, them. exactly. And and so by then applying to a specific person in the room, now what they're doing is not letting anyone else in the room be introspective at all. They're all thinking about Mike Pence. That's good. That's really that's really good mm-hmm. because um, I had no idea what Hamilton was about before that. Mm-hmm. And um, now that now that I heard that I heard that happen. It's almost as if I've seen Hamilton. I kind of know what it, I, I, in my mind, I kind of know what it's about when I haven't even seen it. Uh, Dan, what, what do you think about the whole Hamilton debacle? I think it's very similar to what Josh said. Uh, I don't, I don't think that it, I don't know that it cheapens. I, I, I understand what Josh is saying when he says that it cheapens the art. I understand that, but at the same point, I guess what I said before was that what other what other opportunity would this cast have to directly communicate to Mr. Pence? I think it was communicated very well. It, it was kind of hard to hear people booing him. I didn't think that was necessarily very fair, you know, to say like, oh, we're the market, free marketplace of ideas, but we're going to boo you because we don't agree with yours. Again, it's kind of dicey because I, I totally understand what Josh said too. You know, people are leaving and all they're going to think about the rest of the – their experience of Hamilton is going to be, oh, ugh, Mike Pence showed up. Boo. You know what I mean? Not that, not just that audience either because now when we think of Hamilton, we think of Mike Pence also. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like when I've listened to Hamilton the last couple of weeks, I haven't thought of – like it's already kind of out of my mind. Very what do you guys crazy. think about Pence's response? I think he had a great response. Um, the fact that he stopped, turned around, and listened says a lot about him. It, it's almost like like when people are like, "Oh, I'll be the bigger man in situation." I think that that's what he did in that situation. I think he also he had a follow up video to it, uh, saying that freedom of speech is important. And in mm-hmm. his follow up video, he said that he disagreed with Trump's tweet. So Trump tweeted something, something in the effect yeah. of. Like, these people need to apologize. And he also said that the theater is supposed to be a safe place. And mm. which I completely disagree with. Art mm. is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable and art is supposed to change you. If it doesn't do that, then it's not really doing much of anything at that point. Yeah. It's kind of funny how, how he ended up disagreeing with the president elect. Like, like I disagree with what they did for sure. I think it's not the place. They're not the people, but I defend the right for people to do that but I disagree that they did it. Um, any last thoughts on that topic? I think, I think it also goes to show that the tolerance movement only works one way. Mm. Like we're tolerant of our ideas, but we're not tolerant of your ideas. Yeah. The question is, is should tolerance really boo people? Um, Dan, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the analogy that I used that I used in a previous conversation that really helps, they justify it by saying like, well, there's, you're still part of the conversation. But I think that what they do is that they don't invite certain people to the table. They leave them at the kids' table. So they're like, no, you still came to dinner. You just can't, you just, you can't talk as an adult. You, what you're saying isn't legitimate. It's childish. You go sit at the kids' table. Okay, let's move on to the second topic. We're going to stay in the arena of politics, and we somewhat apologize for that. Now let's be careful. I don't want to get too briefing here. Guys. <laughs> None of us have the credentials nor the bow ties to become briefing. No, <laughs> but, uh, no definitely not. Anyway. Okay. So the second hey, time we're all delivered to the saints. <laughs> um, okay. The second topic is kind of blowing up 
a little, a little bit. Uh, President-elect Donald Trump and his deal with the air conditioning company called Carrier. And they were going to and send the work to Mexico. And Donald Trump comes in in the 12th hour and convinces them to keep jobs stateside by promising them government subsidies and wow. other things. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. My how much I care about this isn't too uh, too high. I do have an opinion. <laughs> so gentle. <laughs> so well, gentle. please, well, please share share your opinion with us. Yeah, I just think that's, I think it's interesting that the guy who made billions of dollars off the free market is going against the free market to do this. Here's the thing. Republicans are cheering for him, but then they boo, they boo Obama for getting involved in things that they deem they sh- the government shouldn't. It just seems inconsistent. It's just because there's an R by his name. That's why they like it. We're paying Carrier now as taxpayers to pay right. their employees. And what's also interesting on the other side of that is you have Democrats criticizing Trump for it. Mm. Um, so, dude, this just reveals, I feel like, the the two party system, and its its uh, blinding effects upon um, the greater voting populace. Because if he was a Democrat, you know, or if he had a D by his name, they wouldn't be criticizing him, and the Republicans would be. Yep, he has an R by his name. Republicans are cheering him on and the Democrats are criticizing him. There's a, there's a text uh, that I think is so revealing of human nature and the gospel of Matthew about Jesus. He casts out a demon, like all these Pharisees have been trying to trip him up and like trying to catch him and ask him trip questions. And then uh, he casts out this demon and one of them yells out, he casts out demons by the Prince of demons okay, look, buddy, you're just looking for things wrong with this guy. You've already decided this guy's bad. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. This is just paving the way for Nikolai Carpathia. I'm just going to come out and, <laughs> and, come out and complain with that. Well, let's be honest. We, we, haven't, we haven't switched topics that much because politics and eschatology are basically the same thing, right? Oh, dude. This Precisely is, the same. I will not be surprised if I wake up in the morning and turn on the news. And the Dome of the Rock has been exploded. <laughs> any day now, we will see that. Maybe but, morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, maybe soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nikolai Carpathia will slaughter a pig. <laughs> Dude, do you remember when, when he this killed that guy in the conference room? Dude, that okay. scene scared me as a kid. Dude, that scene scared me yeah, so bad. That was wild, dude. Seared my memory. Oh man! I, I wish I was. I wish I was sitting in the writing room when, <laughs> when they were like, "Okay, guys, we need a stellar name for the Antichrist. Uh, let's throw it out." And someone's like, "Nikolai Carpathia." <laughs> Everyone's like, "Yes." Well, dude, it wasn't a. It wasn't a writing room. It was Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. Like it was in a book before it was the movie. No, no, it was in Revelation before it was the book. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, God was the original author, Alex. Come on. Dude, I, I, I apologize. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to the third topic. This is a lighter topic. The Babylon Bee. Oh, boy. 
It's a Christian satire website. Hmm. Um, the question at hand is the Babylon Bee funny? Uh, sometimes yes. Sometimes, sometimes no. say the same thing. Sometimes <laughs> yes. Josh, my answer is no. The Babylon Bee is not funny. It no. is never funny, Joshua. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's incapable of being funny. But I'm going to say that it has some major flaws, which it would have to significantly overcome in order for it to be funny. Interesting. Okay, so since I feel like Josh is the outcast on this one, I feel like he ought to unpack his thoughts as to why the Babylon Bee is unfunny. Uh, yeah, I can do that for you guys. The I think the biggest one for me, it, it feels like this is a guy from like a more conservative background who's landed as a millennial hipster Calvinist. And his audience is all millennial hipster Calvinists. What he ends up doing is critiquing every view to the right of him that he used to think and then every view to the left of him that he's always criticized and so it comes across just whiny like you know that one kid who just disagrees with everyone but he refuses to see where he's wrong himself that's the way it comes across like you he 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 would write he would write an article called uh man discovers jesus didn't speak in king james english but he would not write an article called Man Discovers ESV Wasn't the Original Manuscript or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just looking at their website right now, and one of the headlining articles is Complementarian Church Now Allowing Women to Give Announcements in Non-Authoritative Manner Only. He's a complementarian who thinks that women can give announcements. There needs to be a level of escalation. So, like... It's not that he's critiquing people who don't think women can give announcements. He's poking fun at our tendency to feel uncomfortable when women are given more responsibility in church service. <laughs> but come on, l- listen to this, listen to this. Tim Tebow miraculously feeds 5,000 hungry fans after concession stand runs out of food. Come on, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> and, and for the record, Josh was smiling. Uh, <laughs> but, but here's the thing though who is he who is he critique he's critiquing um these yeah. conservatives who think that tim tebow is the greatest person in the universe and because he wears john three sixteen under his eyes yeah you you're you have a good point josh you have a good point that he he does critique those who are different than him way more but i think he does poke fun at his own camp every once in a while like you know you know like in college there's there's the one kid who's discovered calvinism and once he's discovered calvinism he just like attacks everyone else okay that's what this guy feels like to me are you familiar with the twitter account lloyd legalist yes do you find him funny i do what's the difference between a lloyd legalist and a babylon b yeah, Lloyd Legalist is just like like makes fun of a specific audience. The Babylon Bee is like this is Christian satire, but it's not. It's making fun of conservatives and it's making fun of liberals, and it's not or like ultra conservatives and then liberals, and it's not doing an internal critique of the millennial hipster Calvinist. I think it does it more than you'd think because there was that one article that was about John Piper being the captain of the American preaching team, and that is 
Calvinistic reformed, like they put their preachers mm. on pedestals. Like you could see a bunch of Calvinists watching a, on TV, a preach off sort of thing, you know, with John Piper as the captain of the team. Yeah. I, like, for, would, for would be that, a, I'll say, I'll say that's a rare exception. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I just saw another article. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> Worship guitarist hand melts off. Yeah. Of the Mighty Fortress. But do you see what, he's, do you see what he's doing? He's attacking people to the left of him. Dude, it's just but, funny, man. Where's your guitar? Left of him, I feel like that's where he's at. No, this guy, this guy sings in church with his hands down, with uh, like a piano and a guitar playing. That's acoustic guitar. That's it. Josh, you don't know that. You know how I know that? Because that's how do you know that, Josh? How do you know that? He's critiqued every other position but that position. But that's not funny. You know why it's not funny? Because it's your view, and you and it's uncomfortable to you, which is the role of satire. But how does like okay? But how does that negate? It's funniness. It comes across as this, as that one Calvinist in college who, who like, criticizes everyone and who's smarter than all the professors and smarter than all his friends. What's your second reason? My second reason is, like, they, he moralizes everything. Well, I think, I think my rebuttal, and I'll get Daniel's thoughts here in a second, is that the Babylon Bee criticizes reformed hipster millennials more often than you think that it does. And that you may be taking him a little bit too seriously. Like this like this article right here. David Platt cuts off right hand after Googling Black Friday deals. Even more millennial is the article, Worship Leader Invokes Philippians 413 to fit into skinny jeans. This guy, this guy, every time every time he scrolls on the internet and sees Philippians 413, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every time he scrolls and he sees that, he thinks, oh, that guy's stupid. Don't you? No, I don't think that. I don't think they're stupid, but I'm like, that's ridiculous. I like I'm not criticizing him for for knowing the context of Philippians four. I'm criticizing him for critiquing views uh like not doing an internal critique also. He doesn't critique his audience. He critiques views that his audience already disagrees with. Fair point. Fair point. I agree with that, but I just I'm trying to understand okay, I, I feel like what you're saying is these are the reasons you don't like it. But I feel like, what is the objective reason to say that it's not funny? Whenever I view it, I can't help but seeing the annoying kid who thinks he's better than everyone else. It's not fair, Josh. You don't know him. What if it's like some old lady in an assisted living home who like, <laughs> grew up in the Anglican church? Dude, if you literally don't know who this is. Okay, dude, dude. One of the main articles, Christmas Gift Guide 2016. And he goes through, and he's, he he gives a demographic, and he tells what you should get them for Christmas. And for the Calvinists in your life, a life-size statue of John Calvin. For the charismatic in your life, a tambourine. For the cessationist in your life, a strange fire detector. <laughs> <laughs> like, for the record, Josh Pinnell is laughing. I am laughing. That's funny. You know, there are two camps within within this within this demographic that we're talking about, and he critiques them both. So, um, okay. fair, fair point. the valid point, and I think that is I think that is made up with the idea, the the answer that Daniel and I both gave in that the Babylon Bee is sometimes funny. 
but certainly there can be points brought against that idea. Yeah, there's definitely times where it's pretend where like it where the pretentiousness is so obvious that you can't enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's but I it's feel like, like because Josh analyzes the person that he believes is behind this, every time he sees something, he's just like, It's pretentious. I can't enjoy it. And that's kind of why I said he might be taking it too seriously. Because um, it's just like, uh, like there's sometimes where I don't even read the article. I just read the article. So that's if I can give one more, th- one more thing. Absolutely. Once you've read the title, you've read the article. That's yes, the point. That's wonderful. Like that's the point, dude. That's Twitter, man. Dude, I don't got to read that article. I already know what happened. Yeah. Like the amount of information that we communicate to each other is being radically changed by social media. Like, we don't tell each other stories all the time anymore. Like, yeah. we save that for when we have the energy to do it, like when we get together at someone's house. But, like, talking to your neighbor now is just a hello and a goodbye, have a nice day. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, people would stand out there for, like, 30, 35 minutes. Oh, how's your cousin, blah, 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 you know? That's just the name of the game of social media. Like, I, and I, it, yeah, we... we it's ki- it's killing a little bit of like our literacy and our vocabulary and you know kind of the magic of storytelling but in another way it's really accessible i think it's really wonderful how like quick and easy you know we can pass off information i think i think it takes a certain amount of talent to be able to conjure up nuanced laughter with just a headline that idea like the like uh, like the music leader who burn who burns his fingers <laughs> off. <laughs> I might even save intro. There's a lot of different layers to that joke, you know. Yeah. He's just in the intro. How much crazier was it going to get? That's another. That's a joke in and of itself. Um, the idea that the song might even save, you know, that's another joke. So like to be able to conjure up that much layered nuance, I think is is pretty good. Um, but. It's true, you know. You read the headline, you read the article. Good thoughts, Josh. Appreciate you being the bad guy for this segment. Um, Anytime, maybe, Alex. Anytime. I know. I know. I know. Um, I'm sure there will be other times where each of us will take our turn on the uh, disagreeable throne. But uh, but for now, um, it was you, and I think you defended your position well, and you are to be commended. Um, any final thoughts, boys, before we uh, before we close this this one out? Uh, yeah, I think all of Josh's positions were trash. Um, <laughs> I think he doesn't know what he's talking about. And uh, but yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Besides that, well, I, I think and I love diversity. Fun. I love diversity. So yeah, no, I mean, I think it's good to have opposing views, but I just think Josh's are legitimate. Um, that's it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding, Josh. Great, great closing thoughts. Any closing thoughts, Josh? Anything I say at this point, you guys are just going to blatantly criticize and call stupid. So. <laughs> Josh, we love you, buddy. We we are open and here for consolation if you need it. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to explain my sign off uh, so that people who are faithful listeners from the beginning will understand it. And people who jump into the middle, while they will be accepted into the covenant of grace, <laughs> they will not know all the inside jokes. Um, there is a critical moment in the best show ever called The Office, where Michael is departing to a job interview of which he will not receive the job. 
and he makes a big deal out of it. He tells Dwight that he can have his old job and all these things. And when he's about to leave the office for what he thinks will be the last time, he takes out a tape recorder, plays some random song, and says, good night and good good luck. And good luck. Oh. Good night and good luck. 